check my ID Cause you know I'm somebody Wasting all this time Sitting there waiting in line And I don't want it To see that you don't know about me And I don't need this I don't need it Oh, and welcome to Live Fix Podcast This is Chris This is Colleen And we want to welcome you to our 15th episode We made it to number 15 Wow Can you believe it? Wow We're, we're here I'm impressed the big 15 one. <laughs> Why are you impressed? You didn't think we'd make it this far? I don't know, a lot of podcasts... They lose their momentum after, like, the first three. Not us. Okay, good. We're gaining steam. Here we come. All right, I'm ready. I'm prepared for the journey. Look out. Here we come. <laughs> yes, so this is uh, this is, this is, is a very unique podcast. I, I have to say, we've never done a podcast about this topic before. Have you? No. No? No. Good. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think so. It's the first so. time. We're going to explore child... Adolescent live performance, like the psychology of that. Like you, you, you watch some of these child performers, like Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, the Jackson early Michael Jackson. We're talking about Britney Spears, Britney Spears, um, Timberlake, the Musketeers. You know these child stars, the Jonas Brothers, the, the Jonas Brothers. The list goes on and on and on, and it's just like we watch these new kids, kids on the block, new, new kids on the block. Uh, who I just. Uh, the guy from Menudo, um, he just came out that he was gay. Who was the, the Hispanic uh, guy? I'm totally... La Vida Loca? Living La Vida Loca. Maybe. What's his name? I'm totally <laughs> blanking on his name. Uh, Ricky... Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin. Thank you. Martin. Thank you. Menudo. It goes on and on and on. So we're we're we're, we're putting the brakes on here. What about Whitney here. Houston's uh, Whitney ex? Houston's? His ex? Bobby Brown? Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown was a teenager when he first started. Yeah, yeah. So, so. case in point, there, there's there's a long list of child stars, and you, you see enough of them, and you start to wonder, what 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 is it like for a child performer, like, from a psychological perspective, emotional, you know, uh, viewpoint? Like, what what is it that makes them so unique, you know? Um, I know I can't do that. I, I never wanted to to be performing on stage but you know now i look and i and i you know we, we've seen some child stars live right. in person in 90 percent of children uh stars started um before the age or 90 percent of adult stars or people who play music mm-hmm. they their instructions began before they were 12 hmm. wow really that's amazing. I mean, that's just, uh, that's, you know. So most of the stars, hmm. if they play an instrument, which most of them, their voice is, you know, an instrument. Right. Um, they started learning about music and being instructed before the age of 12. Hmm. You know, and some of these stars, you know, they've been forced by their parents, you know. P- parents, you know, Miley Cyrus. I kind of wonder about that situation, you know. Is it that her dad... Make her, you know, is it don't break, don't tell my heart, break you, break your heart, you know, kind of thing that, you know, he's a one hit wonder. He wants to make his, his daughter, uh, you know, do that. Or is the mom. Yeah. You know, could the mom, could the mom be pushing both of them to, to be stars, you know, the husband and the daughter. I mean, yeah. you just don't know. You don't I mean, know if Eminem, if Eminem was a child star, you know, how would that have turned out? I mean, he was really not happy with his mom. 
you know, and she tried to cash in on him, but he was a little bit later. I always wonder, but what if Eminem was a, a rap star at the age of 13, 14 years old? Like, what would that look like, you know? And maybe he was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he didn't come out with the CD then, but that doesn't mean he wasn't a star. Well, he was doing some freestyles, though, you know, in high school talent contests, hmm. you know, with Proof and all those guys in, in Detroit. But, but, but I digress. We're going to look at this. We've, we've uh, looked at two local uh, Chicago artists. Well, one's a solo singer-songwriter. Her name is Kate Diaz. We've been following Kate for the last two years and uh, been, been amazed. We first saw her uh, performing, uh, opening up for Kanan. Kanan. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess At not, the Metro. Not opening up for him. Uh, I should say she, she was invited on stage to perform. To perform. She played her guitar uh, and sang. Uh, waving Flag, uh, which I think she did a better version than Kanan. I would agree. I think you, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was about her and the way that she performed it, but it it was better than the original. Right. Yeah. So uh, Kate Diaz, she's a singer-songwriter. She plays acoustic guitar and uh, she was 13 at the time when we saw her. She's 14 now and she's 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 been making the the, the gradual ascent. You know, she she's not a star, but she's got the makings of of one. You know, you, you watch her on stage. We saw her. She played Lollapalooza two shows Saturday and Sunday. Uh, this past Lollapalooza, I had a chance to see her there perform, and uh, pretty amazed. You know, she's progressing. And the other band that we saw, um, we've seen twice, uh, is uh, Kids These Days. It's an eight piece out of Chicago. They're influenced by James Brown, live hip hop, kind of roots, blues, um, you know, soul mix, and um, they're. They're, they're another example. Uh, you watch them on stage, you're like, wow, are they really teenagers? Playing so well beyond their years, you know? You see these these kids play, and it's like, wow. You know, what, and I think what, what fascinates that? me is how the fans of all ages can, can get excited about these young stars playing. Right. I don't know what it is. I mean, Michael Jackson... You look back at, at videos um, that, you know, you go on YouTube and look back at videos from, you know, venues that he played in with his brothers. And, I mean, he had standing ovations. Yeah. From adult, all adult audiences. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just, and they get the same, same thing with Justin Bieber. I mean, I constantly am hearing mothers who listen to it with their daughters obsessed with him. Amazing. And I, I guess yeah. I, don't, I just never, that, that part of it, just, I'm always curious about that. Why the fan obsession? Yeah. Over child stars. And we're going to look at both of those, you know, those two perspectives. You know, the actual makeup of the mind of a child performer. And then also, you know, what about the fans? Like, why do we respond like we do? You know, is it just, you know, our you know, limited perspective on the whole thing? So we're, we're going to get, in, you know, get into that. We're going to share two interviews with you from Kate and Kids These Days. And they're going to tell us from their own you know from their own mouth like what what uh what inspired them what, yeah what what goes on through their you know in their mind while they're performing on stage and why they do and how they do what they do so um so that's the we're going to get into that in a little bit later but uh first things first here we have a couple uh, music news and uh, live fix experiments we've been doing some uh, uh experiments for you guys and we wanted to in case you haven't checked them out we want to do that but first the the first news piece we want to share with you guys is uh you know it is a sad sad news piece uh, but nonetheless uh dj Meddy and um 
uh, at the age of 34. Uh, he's a DJ who uh, is famous, you know, for uh, remixing and collaborating with uh, working with A Track, uh, A Track, uh, Chromero, uh, uh, Chromio. I hope I'm Chromio. saying that band name mm-hmm. correctly. Uh, Cassius. Uh, he's a French uh, French DJ. Has worked with Daft Punk, and the music that we played at the beginning was one of his tracks called "I Am Somebody," uh, which is a great track to play because it's. And I would like to dedicate this podcast to him. I would too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we do, we do because uh, we we actually saw when I heard the news of what happened to DJ Matty, uh, he actually, uh, according to two different two different reports, uh, was at a, a birthday party and uh, fell off a roof. Or fell through a mezzanine and died. It sounded like a com- it was a complete accident. It wasn't accident. You yeah. know, it was a faulty um, base or floor, and yeah. he just you know fell through, unfortunately. And um, I, I just you know my condolences go out to the family and friends and people that toured with him. Yeah, yeah, it was really sad. When I heard the news, you know, I thought about when we saw him in 2007 at uh, the Empty Bottle. Uh, you know, I thought a lot about that show, the people around me, looking at him, watching him and A Track on the, you know, on the decks, uh, mixing the music, and then he had such a a love for the music. You know, it wasn't just about the show and the, you know, the flash. Like he really enjoyed mixing music and making people happy through the music and through his own interpretations of, you know, other people's music and just making it his own you know in that process so um and you can check out the pictures you know on Colleen Catania uh, photography flicker or on live fix blog i mean you can you can search yeah, out we and posted you'll some uh, some pictures of, of that show because you know i thought about uh you know that that time and it made me think of you know what we um you know we, we've seen a lot of artists you know, over the last several years and unfortunately over that same period of time, several of those artists have died, you know, prematurely. And it really just makes Most you... Most all by accidents. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah, accidents, a suicide, suicide, overdoses. You know, unfortunately, that's just something that happens with these, you know, it's some kind of curse, you know, or something that just happens with, uh, you know, with artists. But nonetheless, you know, when you have a show, you have a live show experience like we did with DJ Matty and all these other artists, and you hear about their death... You know, and you're just like, wow, you know, your heart sinks and, you know, you just, you, you, you're shocked back. You know, you have that grief that comes up, you know, and we've talked about that before in the podcast and some other experiments about, about that grief process, you know, and like what, what actually goes on in your heart and your mind. And in talking with other concert fans, you know, we've realized that, you know, sharing those experiences, sharing that you're having that grief is really actually a great, a great thing. You know, uh, we 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 had some concert fans share some stories about 9/11 and being at a PJ Harvey concert, and how being there was really emotionally, you know, soothing and comforting because everybody else was going through that same, you know, moment of loss and confusion and just that you know emotional, you know, just like grieving process you know for that so i think it's really you know a a beautiful thing when concert fans can talk about that in the context of their live music experiences you know when when you hear about something like what happened with dj Matty, you know or amy winehouse you know i thought about when she died i thought about the time we saw her at Lollapalooza, you know and and what that was like you know kind of what everybody else was thinking and it's uh, you know you you 
you can't deny how great a live concert feels. I think when you have when it's associated with you know that artist dies, it's almost like a piece of that performance dies also. You know, and it's like it's such a conflicting you know emotional experience. You know, live music is such an amazing uplifting experience, but when you have an artist who dies who you love their show or you love the music they made during that moment during that concert it's it's a strange thing to, to deal with you know so it's just something i've just been thinking about that a lot lately and and uh you know if you guys have experiences with dj maddie or amy winehouse yeah, please post you know, him on the blog yeah tell us about give it, us you know? an idea of if you've met yeah. him i'd like to know what kind of person he was um you know personally i know we you know, we only got to see him and know him from a distance through his music, yeah, but I'm sure yeah. there's some great stories out there, and and maybe we can kind of share um, your experience with them and how he's touched you. Absolutely, you know, I think that's uh, something we we love to hear hear about that, and um, you know, again, our heart, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, to DJ Matty and his family and. Uh, family and friends, and you know, fellow musicians who are who are going through that, you know, these these tough times, you know, with that. Um, but yeah, if you have you know experiences with uh, his shows, uh, let us know. Uh, we'd love uh, love to hear them. Uh, the other thing we'd like to kind of catch up on, you know, it's been a long time since we've had, uh, you know, not a long time. It's been a while since our last podcast, and lots lots happened. So uh, we're gonna have posts to these um, these different uh, experiments we've been doing. One with uh, related to storage wars and concert relics. When we we want to see what you guys are discovering in your garages. We've we've heard about some fans discovering some pretty sweet uh, discoveries related to uh, the Fillmore and uh, Leonard Skinner. So make sure you go check out the. Uh, uh, experiments we're doing on that and let us know what you think also tour riders if you're not familiar with tour riders it's basically the um, contractual agreements that artists require to have backstage or they don't play like for example you know um, van halen wanted a bowl of m&ms with the brown ones taken out and it seems like a pretty silly request but actually there's an interesting backstory to that a whole tour rider, so we're looking into into that. Check that out. Rolling Stone and Doc Martens have an. You mean they're just not trying to be difficult? I mean, no, they're they're not. There's actually <laughs> something that they're trying to do, and it's pretty interesting. And that's what we're exploring. So, uh, so check it out. Check out the show notes for this show, and and you, you guys are gonna be pretty interested uh, to learn more a little more about that. And the other thing is, Rolling Stone and Doc Martens are having a really awesome experience right now uh for concert fans um and we also have a link uh, to that so make sure you guys check that out uh, we just started a uh a recent feature of uh twitter twitter is a great thing if you haven't uh you know i don't know anybody who hasn't tweeted yet but most concert fans are uh swarming and uh flocking to uh to the twitters to uh, experience and share their concert experiences. And you guys are amazing me with uh, what you're doing. So I've started to compile all your tweets and post my favorites uh, on the blog uh, every Saturday, kind of uh, a weekly roundup of the best concert fan tweets and kind of what the, um, you know, what the patterns are. Because there's definitely some patterns going on uh, in what you guys are tweeting, you know, 
men are tweeting differently than women are tweeting. And um, there's certain artists that I'm finding are being tweeted about more than other artists. There's certain trends. So we've started this Tweets of the Week uh, feature to kind of explore a little bit more of that. So you, you concert fans, are you're using Twitter in some pretty interesting ways. And I think you better know about it. So you gotta got to check that out. So that just about does it for this uh this portion of the uh well actually i have one uh, we have a couple other things couple other things okay what <laughs> we do because uh you like to go to concerts right colleen yes i do right i do like to go to concerts and listen to music i thought i thought you did and you know what there are some concerts going on uh coming up in chicago this week really which ones could those be <laughs> Wow, that sounds like a cheesy like uh, commercial. I like that. Anyways, uh, the Hideout Block Party is going on this weekend at uh, the Hideout, and it's the 15th anniversary. Some great bands are playing uh, there. Um, Andrew Bird and a whole list of uh, of other bands are are playing. So we've been there the last couple years. Go ahead and check that out. Uh, Ride Fest 2011 is also going on. Weezer's headlining and some other bands. Social Distortion X, really uh, uh, lots of lots of fun. And then the World Music Fest is also taking place. So there's no shortage of live music opportunities in the Windy City this fall. So summer is over. Fall is here. Fans are heading back into the venues to experience live music, and we have a whole list of concerts that you guys can go check. There out. There is no place. Like a fall show at Shuba's. Right. I feel and like anyone I want to like click totally my heels together three times. But the, anyone from Chicago know, would totally understand what I just said. At Shuba's, I wouldn't yeah. have to explain myself. Shuba's or the Metro or Martyrs, um, Reggie's. Shuba's just has like a warm glow to it. Well, Shuba's, yeah. I don't know, there's yeah, some it's kind a of saloon. warm... It's a saloon. Warm, hot, yeah. chocolatey glow to it and... Warm, hot, okay. chocolatey glow. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Are you going to be writing concert reviews now, and I'm going to be taking pictures? Probably not. No? Okay. Well, you can write a review anytime you want. Just, okay. Just let me know. So that just about does it for this, uh, this segment. Yeah. When we come back, we're going to get into the child psychology, and we're going to share with you two interviews that uh, are really going to get you thinking and introduce you to They'll two. They'll blow your mind. They, they will. They will. You know, these, these kids can play. And we're, we're, we're going to show you why. We're going to show you how, you, how they're doing it. So. Someone you should know I can tell that you're looking at me 
them on TV. Uh, you know, I've, I've never been to a Justin Bieber show before. I've never seen Taylor Swift live. Um, but I have seen some child performers, teenage performers, and I watch the show and, you know, I make my notes and I'm like, wow, like what, what is it about those kids that is, is unique? You know, and what is it about their, you know, their emotional makeup like during the show? You know, what's going on inside their mind? What's different from those teenage kids, performers, from performers that are 30, 40, 50 years old? Like, what's, what's the difference, you know? So, and I would say that the performance anxiety, mm-hmm. okay, musicians' performance anxiety, um, or MPA, right? That's what they call it. That's the MPA? Term, MPA, hmm. musicians' performance anxiety. Hmm. I would say that it increases as someone gets older. Really? So what does that start out as? Like, what does does MPA start at a certain age? Is it more more people prone to like to getting that? Or well, women are more prone. Females are females. more prone, but females are more prone in general to anxiety. Hmm. They don't, you know. Research says it's based on maybe the way their brain works, um, the way they're wired up, you know, all kinds of factors, hormone levels. Um, but women tend to have more anxiety than mm. men. So they, they find that as um, age increases, anxiety, performance anxiety increases. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because we, uh, a couple shows back, we, we looked at female performers, you know, and what, or, uh, or not female performers, but... Um, female music and music and right, how that right. intersects. How, how live music is different for women than it is for men. And just how profoundly different that experience is for men and women. Uh, women experience live music completely different than than men, and you know from an emotional perspective. So that's that's kind of interesting that women are more prone to get anxiety. You're, you're saying performance anxiety. Correct. You know, from, and in general it. anxiety. Hmm. You know to have anxiety at all, you're going to find the females have a higher probability of having anxiety. Hmm. Well, that's kind of interesting because, you know, the more I think about that, um, you know, anxiety can be, uh, can be a blessing, can be a curse because we've, you know, we've seen certain artists take that anxiety to, you know, to another level, like take their show to another level that makes you, you know, that makes that show that much more engaging and that much more dynamic. So it's, it seems that the anxiety can take, you know, um, 
can take the show, can take that artist in two different directions. And there can be anxiety that occurs internally for right. an artist. And you would never know about that, right? And you would, well, you would know about it. Probably. No, it's more internal. You may see symptoms of it externally. Hmm. Um, but then there's also the anxiety that's brought on by external components. Hmm. So a, a screaming fan or um, some sort of, you know... Um, parent or another outside person pushing them or forcing them or there maybe even some sort of um you know history of being yelled at by a manager or being yelled at by another bandmate hmm. right if you're the youngest in the in the band and your older bandmates are have have, have put pressure on you you know that that could affect you that's a different type of anxiety well, performance kind of, anxiety yeah that's kind of interesting because i remember when we saw uh lissy at the hard rock for that pre-law blues show the Perez Hel- hilton uh, show i was actually standing right in front of her mom and a chance to talk to her mom real briefly kind of about that you know and i you know several times during the show i know i saw lissy kind of make eye contact a little bit with with her mom and knew she was there and i wonder you know if that you know if uh that anxiety actually made Lissy's performance because she's a great live performer, you know. And I wonder if she takes that anxiety, if that makes her more, you know, more dynamic, you know, like in that in that way. Because uh, it can, or it can, can you know, it can um, affect you to the point where you can't perform. Hmm. You know, and I'm sure there are a lot of performers who stop performing and playing music because they just have so much um, stage anxiety mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's a lot of artists that uh you know that have it so that's that's kind of interesting that i mean um, donny osmond mm-hmm. a perfect example of someone who struggles with stage fright struggles with performance anxiety mm-hmm. you know and, and and he started very young performing and um you know that really crippled him for a few years where he struggled to perform where he stopped performing mm. because of it yeah, you just never, you know, you, you you really never know. So it's, you know, when, when you're when you're looking at child performers, I mean, when you're at a young age, I mean, your your mind, as far as I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, your mind, your brain is still forming. Correct. Until you're about 25. You know. Studies have shown that, uh, research has shown is that your frontal lobe still is developing. It usually develop your brain develops from the back of your head to the front. Hmm. So that part is not fully developed yet. Now, as far as the, like the musical side of that, how, how does that how does that work? I wonder if that's well. I, I'll tell you about the performance side of it because mm-hmm. I, I know a little bit more about the performance side of it. Um, on any, anyone under twelve um, is actually going to really enjoy performing for others. They enjoy the they love the audience, um, and they're really oblivious and unaware of any flaws. So when we first saw flaws Kate, in themselves. Flaws in themselves, yeah. Hmm. They're they're oblivious to it. Wow, they don't really? care. Wow. So if you ever get a chance to see a maybe a two or three year old, maybe four year old performing for their family members, it's because they don't care. They don't see their flaws. Mm-hmm. You know, and family members usually enjoy that. Hmm. But they may do things and, and they don't even realize that, you know, they don't look it doesn't look good. But they're cute, they're young but they perform based on loving the attention loving um, the environment they're in not based on you know flaws or not flaws or perfection or not perfection 
Whereas the older you get, the more you look at your flaws, the more you acknowledge your flaws, and a lot of that is due to cognitive development. Hmm. The more self-conscious you get, uh, you get more self-conscious, Correct. more self-aware right. as you get as you get older. Correct. Uh, with, with you're that. able to self re- your self-reflection hmm. function increases. Hmm. So you're able to self-reflect on where you're at in life. You start asking questions about yourself, where you're at, taking less goals. risks. Yes. With with that, and I think that's interesting because one of the uh, one of the artists that we're going to share with everybody today, with you know, with you guys today, is uh, one of these artists. They they tell me about how they're okay to make like they don't care about making mistakes, and I think that was kind of an interesting thing that I've read in a lot of their interviews about their live performance. Is that you know they are jazz based, which involves improvisation, which involves a high likelihood of making a mistake, you know, and how mistakes lead them to discoveries, which is something that they kind of elaborate on, which is interesting because that, at that age, you know, you have that three or, you know, maybe five-year time period where, you know, you don't really care what happens. And yeah, just, and, I, and I, would know, get, I, would, I would guess to, to say, I would say that, you know, the, the more, the longer that there is, they're a band, the more they're going to want to make that song that's theirs, you know, perfect. To some extent. Like you mean as they get older? As they progress, yes. Hmm. As they get older. So they might write a song when they're 12 years old, and then by the time they're 18, that that song is going to is a change profoundly because of how their mind is changing in, in relation to what you know, what sort of risks or, or what they think other people think about that song or how they're performing it live. For instance, I would... Huh. Venture to say that, and I've listened to some of his performances, Michael Jackson's ABC uh-huh. is going to sound differently from when he was a child, under the age of 12, mm-hmm. than it does when he was an adult. It means different things for him. He's going to point out things that maybe he missed, things, words that he didn't say right, pronounce right, you know, even down to the dance moves maybe were not correct. You know? I, Whereas I, when he was yeah. 12, I don't think he, he acknowledged that, and I think he made people laugh. He made people excited about his music. He was very playful, mm-hmm. and he and he didn't care about what the audience said. Hmm. I think that shows too in that movie. Uh, we watched that. I think I think this is what you're thinking about too. That in that movie, this is it. Uh, there's that point where they're rehearsing that on stage, and he's trying to play it and sing it, and he stops and he says, "Oh, you know, he kind of, kind of, you know, he's having some type of flashback or something like that, and he can't." get past a certain point you know at you know at his age and i think the other piece is the the perception of the world changes Mm -hmm. so when he was you know under 12 what do you you mean well the perception of the world has changed you know for someone like britney spears i think she's looking at the world very different now than she was when she was the mickey mouse club then maybe she lived with her parents, you know, whatever. Maybe she saw that people liked her, enjoyed being around. Now she's getting older. She's a mom. You know, she's not perfect, and people are re- realizing that. She's not, you know, her perception of the world is different. Hmm. People maybe don't all like her now. Whereas when she was a little girl in the Mickey Mouse Club, everyone liked her. She was getting, you know, praise for everything she did. Especially so, during, during her shows. I mean, I couldn't imagine what it's like as a kid on stage and you're just getting all this, you know, positive affirmation, uh, adulation, you know, all these um, 
positive you know reinforcements Reinforcement. on stage you know i can't imagine that you know and then you hear on the flip side i mean michael like you know michael jackson i mean he you know you hear these stories about his dad you know and how he would just put these kids through the ringer you know with, with that as opposed you know you go from a screaming crowd to backstage you know getting whipped on emotionally or abused emotionally because of mistakes he made when he was seven eight nine years old you know he didn't sing the song correctly you know he's getting praised for five minutes and then he's getting emotionally abused and ridiculed you know on the back and i think as a parent you know that is a you know a parent of a musician you'd be careful of you know you're going to see the flaws and you're going to have a different cognitive development than your child so if there's some flaws going on and your child's not seeing that, it's because they're in a different level performing-wise, cognitively. Yeah. And so to force them to be you know, at where you're at cognitively, you have, to, you have to really worry about that and be careful of that. Uh, okay? so, th- so those are just some factors that, that, that I've sort of, I, th- I believe, can change um, while a person develops into adulthood, hmm. right? Pre-adulthood. The other piece is technical skill. Of course, technical skills like the, is the, better. The ability to, to play certain music. Play or... harmonies, to play chords, to play different instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to listen to yourself and to um, dancing skills. I mean, all that stuff comes with time. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it comes with time. It comes with technical skill. And these are all things that are developing at a, at a pretty quick pace. Yeah, yeah, I mean, through, I would like say the, time. I would say develops through, um, you know, childhood to you know through adolescence, and then when you're in adulthood, I think you then start to sort all this stuff out and are able to. Most people are able to cognitively identify where their technical skills are, what their perception of the world is, and if they can't identify it themselves, hopefully they're talking to people around them that will guide them in that, mm-hmm. right? And they also realize, hopefully, that their self-reflection is increased. They're able to see, you know, what's in themselves and what they want to change. They have different, they have goals. They've started to set goals for themselves. Hmm. You know, as a kid star, I don't know what kind of, it seems like goals are being set for them. Mm-hmm. You know, by managers, by parents, you know, by tour um, schedules, tours and know. all that stuff. And not, and maybe music teachers, but not necessarily internally hmm. by themselves. Interesting. You know, all this is, is uh, you know, is pretty, um, pretty challenging to think about because I know myself when I, when I watch, you know, uh, child performers and some of the you know the artists that uh, you know Kate Diaz who we're going to talk to and we're going to share an interview with you in just a moment here and Kids These Days another uh, Chicago eight piece uh, uh, group of teenagers. I watch them on stage, and I'm just like, wow, man, like, you guys are beyond your years, you know, with, with that. It's hard enough just to play music as, it's, as it is, and, and, you know, to play it at a young age and have that, that uh, um, you know, that master, you know, um, the, the ability to master that skill uh, at, at a pretty early age is, um, is, uh, is something that just makes me, makes me think, like, wow, like, how does that how does that happen? Like, how are they, how are they doing that? And what is it about those kids, you know, in that period of time in their life that allows them to, allows them to do that, you know, and are they even aware of that? Or is it just kind of flowing, 
you know, with, with it. Because you look at somebody like Mozart, you know, he was writing symphonies, you know, and, and they say that, you know, you got to play 10,000 hours of a certain instrument or certain type of, you know, um, practice or, or, you know, to become, a, 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 you know, an expert, you know, at it with, with that. And Mozart was, wrote his first symphony like when he was like five or six years old or, you know, or something like that. He's playing music. You know, at, at that age, which is you know genius level, obviously. And now, what I've talked about as far as cognitive abilities and where people are at cognitively, that is not counting above average IQ. Mm-hmm. Because I think when you're talking about above average IQ, IQ, you're talking about a whole different set of ideas, thoughts. Mm. Um, you're looking at a whole different scale. Now. So what we've You're looking about at a so different far scale as far as, as musical just, ability. It's just we're talking. We're talking average. We're talking so about the right average now. cognitive development of children and adolescents. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So that's you know, this is this is some interesting stuff. You know, again, this is uh, this is our first our first stab at talking about this stuff here on the podcast, and just because we've seen, you know, we've seen our share. Of uh, of child performers, you know, teenage, you know, late late teen uh, performers, and we just thought, hey, you know, it's time to start talking about this stuff and and seeing, you know, what uh, what you know what's behind it, you know, with with that. So, what we want to do now is we want to share an interview with you. Uh, this past weekend, we went out to the Abbey Pub and we talked with uh, Kate Diaz. She's 14 years old. Uh, we first saw her when she was 13 years old. She was invited up on stage from uh, uh, K-N, a Somalian uh, rapper, and uh, she uh, covered one of his songs on YouTube. What's interesting about Kate's story is that, you know, she, um, obviously she's grown up uh, most of her life uh, with, you know, the inter- in, with, with the internet, and she has made a great use of the internet through her own, she does a great job of pr- uh, promotion, her pr- uh, promoting herself, and also, specifically on YouTube, um, she's covered a lot of songs. She's told me at some interviews uh, we've talked with her before. You know, she's inspired by Paul McCartney. Uh, in watching Beatles um, uh, videos on YouTube, listening to the Beatles songs. Skylar Gray. Skylar Gray. She talks about. Um, I kind of asked her about. Uh, I talked to her a little bit after her show at Lollapalooza. She played on the kids Kids of Palooza stage. Talked a little bit about that afterwards. You know, and kind of what what she's uh, experienced and uh you know she made some some interesting references um that uh you know I really you know didn't expect you know with with that but she's made a, a great use of YouTube and uh she was discovered on YouTube by Kanan covering her song and Kanan invited her to come up on stage and play one of uh, his uh, uh cover songs waving flag she did a fantastic job I I, I think Yeah check her out on YouTube yeah, yeah, we. You'd have, be blown away. Yeah, we we have uh, we'll have a link to her interview. We did an interview with her a year ago, and um, she recently plays. She's she's been playing live shows for a while now. She plays, uh, you know, different um, venues throughout the city, throughout Chicago, and uh, we caught up with her this past weekend at the Abbey Pub on Friday night, 
and she was uh, opening up for uh, some other female bands uh, at the Abbey Pub. And uh, we sat down and asked her, you know, some questions you know, about about that. So here's that uh, here's that interview. And when we come back, we'll get into uh, our next our next segment, and we'll look at uh, kids these days. Live at the Abbey Pub in Chicago with Kate Diaz. Kate, thank you for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Glad to, glad to have you back. I know that uh, we, we attempted to do this uh, before, uh, previously at Lollapalooza, and unfortunately, you know, Chris inter- lost his uh, handy mic. Yes, yes. So, again, my, you know, my, my name is Chris and it's Colleen. It's Colleen again. But uh, we're all, you guys already know that. But, anyways, we're here back again with, uh, with Kate, and uh, Kate. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you have you here and kind of tell your story. You know, we first met you, or well, actually saw you perform at uh, Canaan show at the Metro, and was really amazed at your your ability to play. Uh, you're 14 years old. Uh, you were uh, 12. 13. 13 at yeah. the time. Okay. I think it was actually better. Her version was better than Canaan. By, by I will far. say that on yeah. record. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was uh, it was really amazing to to see you uh, perform and you know and. We just knew we, we wanted to have you here on the show, so I'm glad we're, we're able to, to do that. And um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started you know, as a, as a musician? Um, kind of know a little bit about uh, how you got started, but uh, tell us you know, what, what got you started. Why, why did you want to start uh, playing music? Um, well, when I was seven, for some reason I really, really wanted a guitar. I don't know why, but uh, my parents kind of thought it was like a phase or something. So um, I kept asking and like became really obsessed with it for like a year. And then when I was eight for my eighth birthday, which is in January, um, I got a guitar and some lessons. And um, I think I kind of just started singing along with that because I never really sang before that. I think just because I was learning chords, so I just started singing over it. And I think that's how I started songwriting probably because I pretty much started writing songs like a year or so after. So. Yeah, no, you, you have an interesting way of, um, you know, you, you kind of explained the last time we talked about, uh, your, you use YouTube, you know, to, to learn and also to promote your music. Like, that's how you got that Kanan show was by, you know, you covered his, uh, his song and somebody saw it and invited you, you know, to, to play. So can you tell us a little bit about how, you know, you use YouTube in the, you know, to develop your, you know, your, your abilities and your skills and then how that connects to, you know, how you perform live and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, well I started YouTube when I was 11 
because I saw like a lot of other people, you know, putting up covers and um, back then I only did like Beatles covers and um, originals, so I started putting those on YouTube. Um, I don't know, I've never really done it for like promotional reasons, I guess. It was kind of by a stance that like Kanon and Sister Hazel found me and stuff like that. So um, yeah, but the thing, the big thing that I really liked about it was the feedback and like seeing how, you know, there's so many people from like all over the world that um, are like watching my videos, which is really cool. Um, like especially for Kanon, there's a lot of people, there's like, I don't know, a lot for like his songs, there's a lot of Somali people that are, you know, commenting, which is really cool like to see. Wow, and like, wow. you know, I think I said before, like one of my videos is most viewed in Tanzania for some reason, which is like, I don't know, wow, to me cool. it's like really cool. Is that cool the, the Kanon song? Um, I don't know, I have to look that up again, but I don't know, I forget. I think, oh. yeah, Kanon's songs are mostly viewed in like Canada. I think it's because like, I mean, he's like Somali and Canadian right. or something like that. So, right. yeah. What has been one of your um, all-time favorite live music experiences? Um, this summer, I went to uh, One Republic at Jamming at the Zoo in Lincoln, in Lincoln Park, um, and that was really cool because they're like my favorite band, and Ryan Tider is like my hero right now because I mean he's amazing and he writes really good songs. So, uh, yeah, and they were just really they like had such a presence that it was it was really cool to see. Awesome. So when you're watching these, you know, the bands, and obviously you, you had a chance to play Lollapalooza, you know, mm -hmm. at, at the age of 14. I mean, that's got to be, it's got to be pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, when I first cool. saw that, you know, I didn't even know, you know, we had started, we've been kind of following your story for the last couple of years, and it's been awesome to see. I mean, you've done, you've used your music to promote, uh, you know, causes and to give back as benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, you had the, the single. Uh, in, uh, in Christmas, uh, Christmas Smiles, yeah, right? Yeah, Christmas Smiles. And, you know, you, uh, you've definitely done other things with your music. You know, it's not just about you know, getting your music out there. You have other people in mind and you think about other things. Um, you know, as far as the, uh, you know, just being on the Lollapalooza stage, like, what, what was that like for you, you know, to see, to be on that stage and kind of what, what was going through your mind when you were, when you were playing? Um, it was crazy, like, um, yeah, it was just kind of really surreal because I've seen every year, you know, like I'm from here, so Lollapalooza is like this big thing. Like if you try to go into, into the city, which I tried to do once, it's really hard because everyone's going to Lollapalooza. So um, yeah, it was really cool just to actually play. And, yeah. What, did you get to see other bands there? That yeah. You liked? Um, I went and saw um, Skylar Gray, Christina Perry. Um, yeah, I went and saw. Um, uh, I forgot, but anyway, I went and saw a cool play. I went. Did you see Lizzie at all? Lizzie perform. Yeah. Lizzie perform. Yeah. Lizzie who? Oh, Elizabeth. Or uh, uh, name's Lizzie. Uh, oh, Lizzie. Yeah. Lizzie. Yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. from Chicago too. You, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. She's kind Check of a singer, out. songwriter, uh, blues, country, rock kind of thing. That. Uh, Anyway, anyways, but yeah, so, so you saw a lot of bands out there. Now, what, what, what did you learn from watching those? Did you kind of glean a little bit from, from them and then incorporate it into your music? Or how does that, what, what's that process like for you when you go see, see someone live? What do, you, what do you watch? You know, what do you, what do you learn from them? Um, I thought, well, watching, I watched Katy Perry, which, I mean, not Katy Perry, Christina Perry, um, which was really cool to see how she's more singer-songwriter, you know? Um, which was cool to see how she did her biggest song, Jar of Hearts, just totally acoustic with like her and the piano, which is really cool to see because you don't really see that too often. Um, so I kind of 
Arts like looked at that and how even without all the production it was just amazing and stripped down which is kind of like I mean I've never had anything produced but like that's kind of my goal is to still sound you know really good without you know drums and everything like that so that was cool. Awesome. Do you prefer the acoustic over the uh, electric? Or? Yeah. Um, are you going to go electric sometime, at some point maybe. here? Or what do you, what <laughs> um, do you think? I don't know. Right now I'm just acoustic, but I mean, one of my goals is to have all my songs with a band. I don't know. I think it would sound really cool. I just don't know what it would sound like, but um, yeah, it would be a cool experiment. Nice, nice. Right. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, that was one of the things that, you know, if you, your, your fan base starts to get, you know, bigger and bigger, you know, like uh, Dylan, you know, and once he plugged in, you know, they say that he, you know, he made people, you know, a lot of people you know, aggravated and you know, kind of pissed yeah. off yeah. at him, you know, in that, in that way. So, but uh, yeah, it would be cool to see, you know, some of the songs. You you debuted uh, two new songs, I believe, or maybe three at Lollapalooza. Uh, yeah. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about those songs? And you actually had written some of those at uh, the Berkeley School of Music when you've right. been at before Lollapalooza. Right. What, kind of what was that? What was that like? And you know, how how did you make those? Uh, write those new songs yeah well um so all the gigs that i get are from craigslist and sonic bids and i applied on sonic bids um for the berkeley five week which is their summer program um battle of the bands and i ended up winning which is really cool so i got a full scholarship to um, berkeley for the summer um which was really cool and um i wrote two or three songs there and um yeah, it was really cool because I had a guitar teacher like 30 minutes every week and I told him that I really wanted to learn new chords and he taught me like alternate tunings and a lot of new chords and I would just go home and write a song because it was like so cool, it kind of blew my mind like all the different chords that he could find so that's kind of how I wrote um, Kill the Question Mark and Bring It and then there's one song that I haven't finished yet but I also kind of wrote it there so. Awesome. So if you had a chance to you know, give some advice about uh, you know, performing, you're 14 years old, obviously you, you, you do a lot of you know, promoting, you know, a, lot, a lot of groundwork on your own, you know, and it's really amazing to watch. What, what kind of uh, advice would you give you know, other musicians you know, your age or younger that they want to do what you're doing? You know, how did, what, what would you tell them? What kind of things would you suggest to get started? Um, I would say, well, what I do is I really use the internet a lot. Um, like I have a website that I, you know, I do it all myself and I have it on Yahoo Small Business, which is really good. Um, I think that as long as like a lot of people have really fancy websites and stuff, but I mean, mine is just useful and I mean, it looks kind of cool, but like if you can do it yourselves, like, yeah. So, um, yeah, also with Facebook and YouTube, obviously. Um, I'm just trying to get on like every network and then um, link them all to my one website, which is what I do. and. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Sounds like you need to go you on now. On yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're pumping uh, right up here. Not to, uh, to fall. Awesome. The radar. Nothing can catch you. I've got, and if it does, then just dust yourself off. Everything happens for a Right inside my head, 
gotta kill the question mark Kill the question mark instead Come out of the shadows Abandon the echoes Hello and welcome back enjoyed that song uh, Kill the Question Mark by uh, Kate Diaz uh, Great song it Check was, out uh, your YouTube yeah. Again, I mean, she just got some great stuff on there, and you can see the Kanan uh, song that she yeah. remade. Absolutely. We'll have links to uh, all this stuff in the show notes. You guys can check it out. Check out that interview that uh, we did with her. So now we want to take a look and at... And I'm really uh, excited about this piece. What, what, what about? About what? The Huffington Post piece. Yeah? The, I'm really excited about like that. The, the, Huff, the Huffington Post, Huffington huh? Post. You're excited, Sorry. huh? I'm ex- I'm extremely excited because I I found it. I think it's it's just it's a very interesting half those artists I've never heard of, right? And it goes exactly with the topic that we're that we've been discussing this whole podcast, and it is titled "Musicians with Famous Parents: The yes. Top Ten to Watch." Yes, this is uh, Huffington Post. This was posted in uh, actually in August on the uh, Huffington Post. Again, we'll have links to this in the in the show notes. And what this post is uh, is you know child stars. Yeah, and they're well, perf- they're their parents are stars they're performing, right? So, for example, like Eddie Van Halen's kid, Billy Idol, Rod Stewart. Um, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, um, all those stars have kids that are performing, um, and on here they're talking about, you know, what it's like and you know how they're doing it. For example, Indio Downey, which is Robert Downey Jr.'s son, he has a band, uh, which according I'm looking at this here, it looks like the band has uh, has broken up or they've changed or something like that. But nonetheless, Indio Downey is a child performer. A live performer who has a famous parent. His name, you know, is Robert Downey Jr. You know, and there's some others in here that are pretty interesting to read. And again, it fits. Perfect. Tommy Hilfiger's son, yeah. who's, who seems a pretty interesting guy. Yeah. He's, why? Why did you well, like that? What was? What well, was about? he's. A, it looks like he's a hip hop artist, but he he strictly raps about drugs. Looks like a lot of his stuff. Drugs. Living. Which I think I don't think his dad would be too happy for him. I mean, I'm kind of surprised that he'd put that out there. But yeah, he's. I mean, he's definitely his focus is on <laughs> drugs. Even his CDs and his tours and all that are kind of focused on it. A, little a rapper bit. rapping about drugs? Surprising, I know. No. But surprising, I know. But it, you know, I was just wow. kind of surprised that because he has that sort of family lineage, he'd get in that. But this is a great. Um, Article and kind of combination of things. Rod Stewart's daughter, Ruby Stewart. Yeah, Ruby Stewart. Is also a performer as well. And so they have a video on there. And <laughs> What's kind of interesting is that uh, the, in this feature that the Huffington Post has is that they have, you know, I have her name, Ro, Ro, uh, Ruby Stewart, daughter of Rod Stewart. And then they have a thing that says here, sounds like. And their description of Ruby Stewart is uh, Janis Joplin without the hangover. So that's how they're describing her music. Now it's got to be kind of interesting if you're Ruby Stewart. You know, I know in, in interviewing a lot of artists, you know, I kind of I, I ask them from time to time, do you read reviews of your own stuff? You know, do you do you read concert reviews? Some artists do, some artists don't. But as a child star, as a child performer coming up through the ranks, you know, I wonder what it is. You know, well, do, especially if they're Ruby, adolescents. 
they're going to take every word that someone else claims that they are or something that they say about them very seriously and very personally. Right. And they're correct me if I'm wrong, they're going to seek out more information about what other people are saying about them. Correct. Right? That's they're more in their likely, nature. They're yeah. more likely to do that at that sure. age, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, you're going to seek that out. So I don't know if Ruby Stewart has actually read this Huffington Post piece, but if she did, you know, she's going to look at it and go, you know, I'm curious to see how that – piece right there Janis Joplin without the hangover influences the way that she continues to do music performs right because mm-hmm. she says here you know they have a little blurb info here that says uh, Ruby has joined her dad on stage at shows singing Dusty Springfield's Son of a Preacher Man and plays in the band uh, uh, Revolt Revoltaire Revoltaire I think that's how you mm-hmm. how you say that um, but uh, interesting piece, great. And we're going to put great, this great. on the blog then. Yeah, we'll have a link to so this. So people will Absolutely. be able to see be it. Able to check this out. And I would, I would peruse it. It's definitely an interesting article. And I would continue to check these these artists out because I'm sure that they will continue to grow. Yeah, yeah, you know, and um, that leads us into our next. You know, we told you we we're going to talk about two artists from Chicago, two uh, you know child, uh, adolescent teenage uh, performers groups, and our second one here is uh, a group called Kids These Days. Now, these guys have, uh, these kids, I should say. I shouldn't say guys because there's, uh, there's a girl in the band. But um, they're an interesting group. They're an uh, eight-piece, and uh, we've actually seen them before. Uh, I've seen them twice. You've seen them once before. They recently played Lollapalooza uh, a, couple, you know, a couple months ago here in uh, Chicago uh, for one of the biggest crowds that they've ever played before. And... Um, it was uh, interesting to see their see their progression. I think we saw them a couple years ago. You know when they were all um, they go to uh, uh, local high school here in Chicago. Uh, Whitney Young, I believe most of them go. I don't know all of them go, but um, they're uh, they're there. Uh, you know, learning, playing music together. They've you know they've been playing music for the you know, last several years together as uh, as they're growing up through high school. So what's interesting is that you know they're influenced by James Brown. You know, I had a chance to ask them some questions at Lollapalooza just moments after their live show uh, backstage there, and I was surrounded by all, there's eight of them, and they're, they're, they're a fun bunch to hang around. You know, they're, they're kids, and, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're saying what's ever on their mind. They're, they're definitely kids that are like, wow, like you're, you know, you have a, a, a kind of beyond your years, you know, take on, on your music, you know. Um, so what's interesting with, with, with this group is that they put an emphasis on, on mistakes and calling what you were saying earlier, you know, about the likelihood of taking risks, um, with, uh, with adolescents or with teenagers is greater. And you would think as a, as a youth, one of their assets is that they're more likely to take risks and, which is a great thing for creativity, right? Right. Of course. Yeah. I mean, they're exper- they're experimenting with sound. They're willing to go, you know, in different directions. They're willing to, to seek out different influences. Um, they like to explore. Adolescents like to explore. Yeah. And I would definitely say these for these guys. You know, they have um, a new EP out, uh, and and they're 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 on the rise. You know, the uh, Chicago Tribune has written about them. New York Times. Um, and I was really impressed with what they had to say, you know, and kind of how they're presenting their themselves. And specifically, they said some interesting things about um, 
their live performance. One of the things is that um, the the lead singer, uh, MC uh, Vic, he um, uh, he's inspired by watching. You know, he kind of he explains to me what he learns about watching the WWF and how he uses the WWF to inspire him during his live shows. And then also James Brown. Uh, if you imagine, you know, mixing hip hop with James Brown and, you know, the live elements, you know, of that, you know, the sex machine and all the, just the, the energy and, and sensuality and, you know, of, of James Brown live, you know, they're, they're being inspired by that. You know, they're watching videos of James Brown and, and being inspired by that. So it's, it's pretty, pretty profound, you know, with, um, with that kind of thing. I wonder what, uh, you know, when James Brown, I wonder how old James Brown was. Maybe we can look up, you know, look that up. I wonder how old James Brown was when he first started, you know, and what he, um, you know, what he was inspired by. And it seems like kids these days, they're kind of carrying on in that, in that tradition. You know, they're, they're doing that. They're inspiring kids their age to do things with music, but also without you know, uh, you know, outside of outside of music, you know, they're 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 you know, they're they're getting kids, uh, you know, their own age, you know, inspired, you know, with that. So, kind of interesting thing. So we're going to uh, share this interview with them uh, again. This is live at Lollapalooza, and we're gonna kind of got uh, two parts here spliced together, uh, where they talk about the mistakes that they make and why that they, um, you know, they embrace that. You know, like you were saying earlier about the cognitive development, Colleen, about um, you know what uh, what the likelihood you know of that is. So here's the interview with kids these days, and when we come back, we'll play you a song uh, from them, and then uh, we'll go ahead and uh, you know, wrap up the show. But uh, here's the uh, here's the chat. Yeah, it didn't seem to slow you guys down. You guys have a pretty immense amount of uh, you know, energy and chemistry you know, on the stage. Uh, you, you made a reference to James Brown oh, and, and, uh, <laughs> and things like that. Can you? Can you, can you <laughs> that's nice. I like that. Can you, uh, can you tell me you know, what you guys have uh, you know, been inspired by by watching you know, James Brown? Obviously, he's a, you know, a, a great, great artist, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, how, how, does, uh, how does your band get inspired by, by that? Um, by him. Well, James Brown specifically, everyone's stage presence, at least all the greatest. Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson, that's James Brown. You yeah. know, like, everyone was inspired uh, sure. by him just, be, just because his dancing on stage was, it was, it was just the most charismatic thing. Is that the right way to say Charismatic thing out. You know, when it came out, it was like, it was just revolutionary how he was able to move like that and still sing. And he was just, he was that dude. You know, like, he was a sex machine, my nigga, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that dude, you feel me? So that that definitely influenced 
influences us, at least me personally, in terms of moving around on stage. I know, like, last night, I was, uh, I was watching wrestling, like Hulk Hogan, you know, because they be sending some shit up. Like, when they come out, the wrestlers on, like, WWE wrestling and stuff, like, they get the crowd going, though, you know? So I was watching that last night. Um... I mean, past that, you know, there's Michael Jackson. I like to just wild out on stage. Like, I think the first time I ever really saw someone wilding out on stage like that was on some, uh, at the Glow in the Dark tour when NERD was doing spaz if you want, spaz, spaz if you want. That was the first time I really saw somebody just get on stage and jump around stupid as hell and shake their body and shit and just wild out. And, you know, ever since then, like, I've wanted to do it. As, as of recently, I've started doing that shit, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, going off of what you were saying about James Brown, not only just stage presence, right. but just his music. Like his music was so energetic and it's so much soul. And I know, for, you know what I'm saying, like, I know for myself, like playing trombone, you know, I wish I could sing. I wish I wish I could sing, so I try to sing through my horn. I try to be as, like, fucking spirited and just have so much soul through my horn as if I was James Brown singing, you know what I'm saying? So that's just where everybody, you know, everybody has that fact and everybody wants to put that soul into our music as well as our stage presence. So that's why I feel like James Brown gave to us. Yeah, I mean, James Brown, a lot of what he did, you know, and the success of what he did, you know, was uh, a lot of the you know, social message that he had. He was uh, he was giving something besides just the music and his, his, uh, you know, his performance. Uh, what, what do you guys, obviously, you know, you guys were, you had the crowd just moving and, you know, a lot of stuff that I've read about you guys live, you know, it's a, you rely a lot on the, on the crowd, that your connection, you know, with, with, with the crowd. So what, what, what kind of place do you guys want to, you know, do you look to take, you know, the listener, you know, as far as some of the places that, you know, not to compare you to James Brown, but as far as where he was going, he, you know, he had something besides the music. I think part of our social message, like you said, is just just the fact, like, when you look on our stage, you see so many different like such a diverse group of people and such a diverse influence group of people and and I mean the different instruments yeah but I mean the different races the different backgrounds the different everything you know so I mean like you said James Brown's social message about about acceptance and about beauty in, in everything and everyone down man everybody gets down you know everybody gets down so like Nico said down. you look at us and a lot of us look pretty different but I can't name one time when I've ever really like thought about that you know what I'm saying like oh I'm black and he's white you know like that's just, we're in the 21st century, yo. Like, motherfuckers need to wake up. So any social message that we portray through that is just because that's who we are and that's where we come from. I'm from Hyde Park, Chicago. That's a diverse neighborhood. My first friend in the world was a Jewish kid. I went to a Jewish preschool. You know, I've been all over the city. Like, my brother now is Jewish and Cuban. I'm black and white. My father's from Ghana and my mom's is from New York. So you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, that's the... It's the times are changing, man. The times have changed in my eyes, you know what I'm saying? So if you don't think they changed, then catch up. I think also, like, all of us are just really, like, we really pride ourselves on being real and genuine in our art forms and, like, the fact that all of us are so happy and genuine together, you know what I'm saying, like, comes through in our music, and that presents a message in itself, you know what I'm saying? Like, musically we connect, personally we connect. This is a family, you know, so... I think that's a great message to show to people. Yeah, you guys have, you know, you guys have a lot of things in your lyrics, but what kind of things that are going on today, you know, inspire you guys to write some of your songs? You know, I know that 
you know, some of your... I mean, it's just, uh, it's not really what's going on today. It's just like what we've experienced through our entire lives. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Can, you, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, that's, yeah, I mean... I pick up that a lot in your, you know, some of the... In you guys yeah, it's songs. just like how we all grew up. Like, we really just put it in our music. Like... We actually like love to play music. That's what all eight of us, that's like all we do all day, every day. Like we wake up and it's music, we go to sleep and it's music. So it's like when you're going through something in your life or something and like if it's like some trying times or some hurt, then you, you write about that. You express your feelings through the music. You guys got eight, eight people on stage. Yeah. That's a lot. Some it's people have trouble with three. It's a party. To have it all come together and you know, sound. You know, yeah, it's not. It's not easy. It's not. What, what, and you guys have said things about uh, you enjoy making mistakes. You eight guys people, said that. Eight people is eight more opportunities for fuck-ups. But it's <laughs> also eight more opportunities for something amazing. You know, so at the same time as it creates... It's more people that have to do more things, more difficult things, because it's not easy music that we're playing. So it's like, yeah, yeah, it creates more mistakes, but it also, I mean, two heads are better than one, so I guess eight heads got to be better than two. I think the, uh, my bad. I think the, um, the most important part of that is, like, it being natural. Like, it's not like we're trying to become something new. We're trying to put this together. It's like it happened. And we're we're just rolling with it. So it's like it's not like we call the trombone player like, all right, uh, we're trying to put this big ass band together. Like, come over here and see what you can do. It was just like it was natural. He came in and he was bumping with it, and we was jamming like hours of jamming in this man's basement. Like when we first met, we were at a music school. We'd be playing jazz music from eight to six, and we go to this man's basement from like seven to twelve and just jam the entire night. So like that chemistry and that like natural just like feeling for the music is just like kaboom on stage like it's a party. On stage, you were saying uh you were talking about mistakes and I think there's this trumpet player out now, a young trumpet player named Ambrose Akin Musare and uh he said it really, really well, I think. He said mistakes are the only pathway to discovery. So I think when we make mistakes, that's a beautiful thing, you know what I'm saying? And like, we embrace that and we change that or we roll with it or we do what we have to do. I mean, we're all part of this jazz element. So we all have that element of like flowing with it and improvisation and like things that happen are beautiful. You know what I mean? This music is it's what we love to do. So we just embrace everything. We've made songs out of mistakes before. Awesome. Let's uh, let's let's uh, thank thank you guys for uh, for doing this. Now can we wrap up. 
We're uh, doing a little uh, practice session before you guys uh, right, before okay. we record here. So uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up and uh, give me a little uh, improv, jazz style, everything. Go ahead. just about does it here. I want to thank everybody for listening in, and I want to give a special thanks to Kate Diaz and Kizzy's Days for joining us on the podcast here and sharing their stories. And remember that you can go ahead and see uh, Kizzy's Days. They're playing at the Hideout Block Party this weekend, uh, Saturday, with uh, Mavis Staples, Andrew Bird, and a bunch of other great great artists. So go ahead and check those out. And remember that uh, Kate Diaz is also releasing you know, a live recording of that Abbey Pub performance. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, she'll be posting that on her, uh, on her blog and uh, website. So check that out. And, you know, we want to hear what you guys think. So, you know, go ahead. Uh, you know, we'll have all the uh, show notes and everything. Uh, but let us know what you think about uh, this whole topic. You know, kid performers, uh, adolescent, uh, you know, pop stars, uh, all this, uh, the, whole, the whole thing we've been talking about today. So uh, go to livefixblog.com, uh, go to this post and drop a comment on there and, you know, Tell us, uh, tell us what you think, and you know if you've been enjoying what you're listening to here on the podcast, uh, go ahead and uh, we'd appreciate uh, you know rating us in iTunes, and also you know again just uh, let us know what you think, and we will catch you guys later. We're going to leave you with a track from Kids These Days. Uh, we heard a little bit of it uh, in that interview. Uh, it's called Hard Times. It's the lead track uh, from their debut EP, Hard Times, which is uh, turning out to be one of my favorite releases you know, of the year. So, uh, again, thanks for listening, and uh, we will catch you guys later. My mama told me never to tell a dirty old lie Just to get by Just to get by Just to get by Oh, cause we're living in hard times Never can make a sound
get along with people, you feel me? When niggas keep it too long, I run up on you like you was chewing your stride too long. Selling on the same block that the school on. That's what kids me and only serve white like kindness in the 60s. I'm only 16, spitting like I'm 19 and marketing all over the scene like Sprite Cream. A little nigga be hitting quicker than lightning. And I'm on a closed roster, meaning a tight team. Clean, I'm feeling fresh. I don't usually be stunned, but honestly, I am chilling the rest. Yes, feeling like a big fish, swimming in a little pond, waiting on the industry to reel in the catch. But I digress. The best of the age, they regard Vic. I used to skate and flip a deck like a card trick. And break dancing graffiti, now I'm taking like easy. While niggas pulling the strings like guitar picks. Cause I'm spitting them type of bars to the star spits. So I'm getting that type of shine to the star gets. And all my homies know the name of the game. I still play them like food fights, aiming a stain. And that's for And in the heat, niggas don't be fighting without the dumpers. I'm silent striking, it's like lightning without the thunders. Now I'm flipping over these bars like a high jumper and keeping my vision on the stars. Trying to rise under, no time for slumber. We got chiefs, little guys and runners who moving soft, riding, pushing H2 like they riding hummers. I know good guys who done dirt to live lives of comfort. And it hurts, but kids die with guns first. So when the city pull the pump first, if not, get blasted. Locked in a casket, tuck shirt For what it's worth, like a market price Most of these niggas is just the talking type Rarely do they walk and bite But when it happens, I'm finished rapping I will strike in the dark of night In a nutshell, get cracking Never to tell I dare you